Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my partner in crime, my sidekick. Really the best way to describe this person is, well, Neutral Zone Nation, you know, this person's my everything. It's Eric Delala. Phil, Phil, it's great to be back. Every week that I get the opportunity to join you on The Neutral Zone, it's a, it's a good week. Yeah, I know that personally, I look forward to this time every single week, just knowing that this is going to be the peak of the week. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, we have got a great show today for NZ Nation. We're going to be talking about what the organization is doing right now in terms of its coronavirus protocols and how the players as they've come back to the facility, what they're doing and uh, what's the latest on when the heck are we going to get back to football? Eric, we want to see these guys on the field. We saw them on the field on Wednesday, Phil. They're getting out there. Yeah, but I want the vets out there. I want I want an actual training camp practice. So uh, we're, we'll have to wait for that a little bit longer. But Just be patient. We're getting be patient. Yeah. This is like the appetizer, but I'm hungry for the main meal. You're always hungry. <laughs> uh, we'll have an exclusive interview with John Elway. I uh, chatted with him over Zoom, got into a bunch of things, including some talk about Drew Locke. You know, Eric, I'm not sure if you know this, but John Elway went 12-2 and two in his second season. It's very impressive. It's a nice little jump there. I asked him if uh, Drew Locke can make a similar type of jump. You'll have to uh, wait and listen to that interview. Uh, we can talk about expectations for this team. John Elway says, let's just pump the brakes here. Yeah, but, you know, hey, 12 and 2, you know, that's one more loss than Drew Locke had last year. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe press down the accelerator a little bit. You know, Eric. I sort of view our jobs as hype machine. We're here to exactly, hype. exactly. We're supposed to just ignore. It. We're like one of those trucks coming down I seventy, and it's like you know those ramps where it's like your brakes aren't working and you got to go up. Yeah, we're one of those trucks, but we're not going up that ramp. No, we're full steam ahead. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, we'll also hear from Jerry Judy. He talks about. Uh, what he's uh, hoping to do this season, his goals uh, might surprise you, Eric. Let's just say that. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of those advertisements at the bottom of a story. You know, we're big fans of those, Eric, but it's like uh, you'll never guess what Jerry Judy had to say about his goals for his rookie season. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to find out. It surprised me. I'll just say that. It surprised me. Um, and then we'll wrap up this bad boy uh, uh, talking about what Vic Fangio had to say this week about Vaughn Miller. You know, Vaughn uh, did not have quite the season that he was hoping for last year. Uh, just the second time ever he had less than double-digit sacks. Yeah, I liked Vic's comments, and uh, we'll get to those near the end of the show. But I liked it. a little bit of uh, motivation, I think, from Vic Fangio. Yeah, you know, uh, we've seen Vaughn's workouts, so on his social media, the, the man looks humongous yeah, in a good way. 
in a good way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not in a bad way. You know, a lot of people gained the quarantine 15. Mm, you think it's that's what possible happened? Bond did that, except it's all muscle. It looks like it looks that way. Vaughn left uh, very little to imagination in his Instagram videos, so yeah. you gotta see all the progress he's made. <laughs> yeah, six pack, six pack. Yeah, at least Aaron, one you, of them. You and I, you and I know a different kind of six pack. Yeah, exactly. We share a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric. Well, uh, so that's what we got in store on this episode of the Neutral Zone. Let's just dive in right now. Currently at the facility are rookies, the early reports, the rookies, the uh, quarterbacks, and then players who have been rehabbing. Uh, on Wednesday, they hit the field for a little strength and conditioning. Uh, but primarily, it's just been virtual meetings and a lot of coronavirus testing. Yeah, and actually, Phil, I think nine news is Mike Kliss reported Wednesday and then came out on the transaction wire that that first group and now the veterans that reported Tuesday for testing, nobody tested positive for coronavirus. Nobody's going on that COVID reserve uh, list that the NFL's created. You know, around the league, it looks like a lot of teams are putting players on that list either because they've tested positive or have been in close contact. So Broncos kind of in elite company right now of teams that haven't had to do that. And obviously it's early, but that's a really good sign, I think. And one of the messages that we heard from the Broncos leadership team, I'm talking about uh, President and CEO Joe Ellis, John Elway, Vic Fangio, they all said, look, this is a shared responsibility that everyone has to take seriously. And teams that do this the best are going to put themselves in a better position to actually win football games. So there's a correlation, you know, it's a direct correlation there that if you take care of business now and you're able to practice and you're able to be safe away from this facility, because I think the Broncos have done pretty much everything they can to ensure safety here at the facility. But once they leave the facility, if you take care of yourself there, you're responsible then you're going to help this team win football games. Yeah. And, you know, you need some help from the rest of the league too, right? Like if the Broncos are the only team that doesn't have positive tests, it's not going to do a whole lot of good because you need two teams to play a football game and you need plenty of them to play a whole season. But, hey, I'm surprised that nobody has been placed on that list because you just think about percentage-wise, uh, it seems unlikely that nobody in that 80-man group would have to be put on the list, but it's great news. I think it sounds like from what some of the players have, have tweeted that they're taking that message to heart, that they're going to do their very best to stay safe, stay on the field. Um, and it is a competitive advantage because assuming, you know, things stay at the point where you can still have games. If a team has its starting quarterback one week and the other team doesn't, that's a major advantage. And so, you know, if guys can keep Drew Locke healthy, if can keep Cortland Sutton healthy, Jerry Judy, Von Miller. I mean, those are guys that need to stay healthy, and that can only happen if everybody around them makes the same decision. Now, to me, personally, there's sort of two waves to this. This initial wave, these first couple of weeks here, 
where guys are starting to transition into this lifestyle, that's an, an adjustment, you know, and the players are coming from everywhere. They've only had one round of testing. The veterans have, they have to wait 72 hours before they get their second test. Then we'll have a, a more accurate um, understanding of definitely no cases. So that's the first part. But so I think there's this first part, this first couple of, of weeks here where there's a wave of, uh, you know, whatever happens, the players are transitioning to in-season mode. They're playing football. Then I think that they'll, they'll be excited to play football and be in this, you know, around their teammates. And there's an energy to the start of the season that all the guys take it seriously. But then there's going to be this next wave where it's like, they're starting to lose their minds a little bit. They miss the social structure that they're used to. And that's just like the rest of society. I think that most of people, those first couple of weeks of quarantine, they were like, okay, like this is okay for now. Spending more time with family, that kind of thing. Making banana bread. <coughs> banana bread. Exactly. Uh, but then after a while, I think a lot of people were like, okay, I can I don't know how long, how much longer I could do this, you know, and I don't think that the players are any different. So there's going to be a couple of waves of this where coaches and other people are going to have to really stay on top of it. Yeah. It's not because we're not in a true bubble. It has to be more than just, you know, the players, it has to be their family members. It has to be people who are around those family members. I mean, it adds to the, the difficulty quite frankly of accomplishing this, but, Hey, that's the task of playing a football season in a pandemic. And it, you know, it's not going to be easy, but this is a promising first step. I think we've seen guys, you know, wear masks as they're waiting for testing. Um, and I think the Broncos, like you mentioned, Phil, have been as forward thinking as they can inside the facility. And even Vic Fangio said during practice, you might see the guys that aren't on the field together. Maybe they'll be separated a little bit. Um, maybe meetings or full team meetings will look different. So they're doing the best they can. And, you know, hopefully this can, you know, things can just stay under control because Joe Ellis did mention, Phil, at some point there's going to be some sort of, someone's going to test positive or there's going to be some sort of issue. And it's just, Hey, how do you move forward from that and keep it from becoming season delaying or season ending? Yeah, and I think that MLB is going through a little bit of that right now uh, with the Florida Marlins for sure, where games are getting postponed. And, you know, in the NFL, if that happens, then you're talking about a sort of a scheduling nightmare here. So, um, yeah, but, but I do think um, with the NFL, at least you have the benefit of seven days between each game, whereas the, the Marlins don't have that. And, you know, if they were supposed to play four games over the next four days. And so that's part of why there's an issue. And I believe they're scheduled to play this coming Sunday again and kind of get back on track. And so you think, hey, if there is an issue with an NFL team during the week, maybe because you only play once a week, there's enough time to find replacement players or um, kind of isolate whatever small cluster there is and, and go from there. And the team is doing... Uh, these tracking devices. Everybody has to wear one when they're in the facility. And then that way they can go back and do contact tracing. So I think the idea there is if there is a positive test, 
you can really go back and try and isolate the case and make sure that it doesn't spread throughout the entire facility. So, you know, hopefully uh, everybody takes it seriously. They go through these, uh, all these protocols and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see how, how it goes. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, whatever hiccups there are, they can just minimize those and uh, try and push through this in, in the safest way possible. I mean, everybody mentioned the, the safety of everybody involved in this is the priority here. Um, but I think that just being around these guys and knowing their personalities, they want to play football. So. Yeah. And we'll get, we'll get to the expectations for the team film, but I think around the league, if you win your first few games or you, you know, you feel like the Broncos where you think, Hey, we can take a step forward this season. There's more incentive to, keep things going because you want to accomplish as much as you can this season. And yeah. so if you, if you can kind of ride that wave of positivity, I think guys are more inclined to continue to be safe and be smart and stay out of harm's way. If you think, Hey, we've got a real chance to make the playoffs here. And that's the way most season go, go for people. If you're winning, you're more invested. You're, you're more into it when you're losing toward the end of the season maybe uh, the commitment there is uh, not as fully full go, you know. No, for sure. Uh, anyway, I think uh, it's a good time to uh, get to my conversation with John Elway. We started out the conversation talking about coronavirus and uh, what it's like having players back in the building. Well, I'm really excited about it. It's been, seems like a long time, a couple of years since we've even played football. So, uh, you know, very long off season when they weren't on the field and had not around the building. And so, yeah, it's exciting. Jerry Judy, how you doing? How you doing, man? I'm good. Welcome. How's everything? Everything going good. For the first time yesterday, I got a chance to meet our draft choices. I met, I met Jerry and KJ at the Combine, but hadn't met any of the other ones. So it was nice to finally get to meet them, get them in the building. So, yeah, I'm excited that, you know, we're moving forward. Obviously, it's a, it's a much different pace and protocols that we do have to go through. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about getting forward and, and getting on a football field and watching some football. You said that uh, the team that handles this and the procedures and everything the best is going to have a better opportunity to win some football games. How do you feel like the Broncos have uh, taken measures to protect the players? Well, Phil, I'll tell you what. I, we, I, we've been very lucky with the team and what everybody's done here. Steve Antonopoulos, Brittany Bowen's been tremendous. Uh, you know, Patrick Smythe and, and everybody that's been involved with this, Chip Conway with the building, Mark Thews with the administrative side of it, that uh, they have really, really been tremendous. And I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're as well prepared as, as any team in the league because of the hard work of everybody and what they've done. So we know what the protocols are. We're going to follow those protocols. And, yes, and, and the other thing, as you said, we, we've really got to concentrate on realizing that this is not something that, these changes are not going to go away in a month. This is going to take, this is going to be a six month process and how we handle that. And we're disciplined to these protocols and, and make sure that, uh, you know, the players, when they leave the building, you know, they always have to be committed to the game of football, but even, even more so this year, because of the fact with the virus out there, they got to be so safe when they're away from the building. And if we do those things and our football team does those things, they're safe away from the building. We don't have a big outbreak of the, of the virus. Then we have a chance to be successful. Well, I know fans certainly uh, are clamoring for some football, and most Broncos fans have spent the offseason hyping up Drew Locke. 
but without any off-season program or anything, what's the best way for Drew to be able to learn this new offense? Well, I mean, I think that they've worked hard as, as, as hard as they can work on Zoom calls. And, uh, you know, he's done a good job of taking everybody to different places and throwing the football and having, you know, receivers get new receivers get used to him. And, but, uh, you know, to continue to throw, work on the accuracy. And so, you know, we're excited about with what we saw in, in Drew the last five games last year. Excited about he how he handled the size and wasn't too big for him. And so, you know, we're excited about starting this season. Obviously, you know, he's going to struggle at times too because he's young and he's going to see some new, some different things. But, you know, he's, the staff that we've hired on the offensive side with, with Pat Schumer as a new offensive coordinator, Mike Shula as a new quarterback coach, and then both of them have tremendous amount of, of experience that uh, really believe that they're going to be able to help the young guys on the offensive side. Uh, John, your second season, you went 12-2 and two as a starter. You made a little bit of a jump there from year one to year two. Uh, what helped you do that, and you think that Drew can do the same thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, just after that rookie year and, and having an offseason, which we didn't have this year, but also I think going into that second year, you have an idea of what it's all about. I and mean, I played 12 games my rookie year, that, uh, 11 games my rookie year, that uh, that helped a lot. So drawn from that experience, knowing what to expect going into the second year. So, you know, I think that will help Drew. Plus, you know, feel like we got him some some weapons in the in the draft. Those are the you know JJ and Jerry and uh, Albert O. They'll, you know, they're they're going to have to step up and and uh, you know do it in there. And also the guys that were here last year, um, you know, are going to have to also take a big step and improve. So uh, offensive line wise, we play better. Garrett's got to do a better job at left tackle, which he did in closing out the year, uh, that uh, we've got to be able to protect Drew, but uh, also play good defense. You know, with the second year with fixed defense, hopefully feel more comfortable with it. So, you know, it's exciting. we got a tough football team coming in in Tennessee on Monday night. we got our hands full, but, you know, we got a lot of work to do before we get there. Uh, you mentioned Jerry Judy there uh, stopping by your office earlier this week. And you've been up here working out a little bit, too. Oh, yeah, most of you know you got to get that chemistry in early. Yeah. Yes, sir. Did it go good? Yes, sir. Everything's going good. Uh, you haven't had a chance to see him out on the field yet, but what have been your impressions since the draft? It was fun to kind of catch up with him uh, yesterday in my office after he got up and was able to get signed. And we loved what he was about and his commitment to the game of football and how he goes about it and, uh, you know, his, his team approach. You know, that uh, we're real excited about, uh, you know, the opportunity that we have and he has to be a great player in this, in this league. Uh, you mentioned the second season there for uh, Vic Fangio's defense. Uh, hopefully expecting the return of a couple of high-profile players in Bradley Chubb and Bryce Callahan. Do you have a, an update on their status? Are they going to go into camp with any restrictions? Well, it looks like Bradley's going to be ready to go. He's worked his tail off this offseason, and so he's still working hard. So it looks like, uh, you know, he's going to be ready to go. We, we expect Bryce to be ready to go also. He uh, he got sick and had the flu and lost some weight, so he's still coming back from that. It was not COVID-19, but um, but was sick and lost some weight. So, But it sounds like his foot's going to be ready to go, so they'll get Bryce back and, and then also add Bouye as well as drill casing the defensive line and then, like I said, have those guys have a year of experience in Vic's defense. I think we'll, we'll only make them better this year. Uh, John, last one for you here real quick. Uh, you know, this team has some expectations on it now uh, for the first time in the, the last couple of seasons. How do you think they'll be able to handle that? 
Well, I mean, I think that if we just take one step at a time, obviously with things being so different, um, you know, you can't think too far ahead. You got to just kind of take it a day at a time. And I know that's always a cliche that we talk about, but it's even more so true now in this, in the, the situation that we're in with, with the virus the pandemic and virus out there. So we're still just taking it one step at a time. These things are changing so fast. And so therefore we can't plan too far ahead. So, but as long as we stay disciplined and to the protocols, the players make remain committed to those as well as coaches and everybody in the organization, then that gives us a much better chance to be successful. John, I appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to getting the guys back out on the field. But me too. Thanks, Phil. Thanks to uh, John Elmey for uh, spending a few minutes there with me. And, uh, you know, a lot to unpack from that. I think the the thing most fans are interested in hearing is uh, John talk about Drew Locke a little bit there. Uh, you know, he thinks that there is a possibility for Drew to take that jump. He likes what he's seen this offseason from Drew. But, uh, you know, Drew only played five games last season. Uh, I believe John played 10 or 11, like you said there, uh, his rookie season. So a little bit of a leg up there. And then plus the disruption this offseason. Uh, hopefully what Drew's been able to do with his teammates and everything has uh, made up for some of that lost practice time. Yeah, and I think Drew's work ethic and mentality can help there. You know, he's, like we've talked about before, Phil, he's really – taking advantage of this opportunity. We remember last year him reading play calls in the mirror. You know, that story's been shared time and time again. Uh, so I'm not so much worried about, you know, is he going to know the playbook? Is he going to be able to relay the plays? It's more, hey, how long does timing take to work out with Cortland Sutton in a new offense? Because I believe Cortland was in Atlanta during the offseason. You know, how long does it take to work out with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant? I mean, he's worked with some of those guys before, but it's a new offense. And so that's going to take a little bit of time. I do wonder, Phil, you know, John Elway is this master around the NFL draft of generally kind of, you know, most GMs are, you say one thing, you want people to read into it or you say it and you don't want people to read into it. And it becomes kind of this game of smoke screens. I wonder if him saying, Hey, let's pump the brakes on the offense let's temper expectations if that's done in part just because Tennessee now with no preseason games is going to have zero film on Pat Shermer's offense with Drew Locke in it. I wonder if it's a little bit of uh, John Elway being a bit coy and trying to get to lull the Titans into a false sense of security here. And John Elway went into that a little bit more in his press conference, just saying, Hey, uh, you know, it might be a little bit rough here to start on the offensive side of the ball the team will have to really rely on the defense for a little bit, but yeah, I don't know if he, I think that he's had that message consistently this off season, you know, uh, he's talked about that a lot, just saying, Hey, it's going to be tough to play the tight. Like I remember when the schedule came out, he said, it's going to be tough starting a Monday night football against the Titans. You know, he, he's done a good job of, yeah. You know, uh, managing expectations because, there was a lot of hype around the offense coming out of the draft, bringing in Jerry Judy, bringing in KJ Hamler. I think what you said there, I think the it's not so much about Drew Locke learning the plays and knowing the offense. It's more, can he just go out there and play and react and not think so much? Because I think he'll know it, 
But once you actually get that muscle memory and get that all going and it's just natural, you're going to be out there thinking. And uh, it's hard to play football that way. Yeah, but I mean, Drew does have some experience with this. He changed systems quite a few times at Missouri. He I did have four years. Yeah, he uh, he did have success, obviously, coming in last year. He didn't have much practice time. And then all of a sudden was the starter against the Chargers in week 13. And so I think, you know, maybe he'll be more capable of going in there. And to me, Phil, it's just it's less about the system in year two. At least what I'd like to see, I want to see him make a jump in consistency with decision-making and, you know, ball placement and the speed of the game. And some of that has to go with, like you're saying, just being able to act and not um, think through things. But I think just another year of that speed and, and decision-making and all that will help. And, you know, regardless of a new system or not, you should still see a jump from him. Because in, in college, it's not like you get all that much time to implement a new offense. I mean, you've spring practice in college football is short. And then you come into a, a shortened training camp and then, hey, you've got to go. Yeah, I agree. It, like uh, one way you can think about it is just like playing in those five games and going through the season last year. Think about where Drew is now versus where he was this time last year. And uh, exactly. I think that'll give you a good indicator of what to expect here because he knows what the speed of the game is like. He knows that it's not too big for him. He knows that he can play at a high level. You know, that Texans game, he should be able to lean on that and have that confidence knowing that, look, I can do this. This isn't that crazy of a thing. And, uh, you know, I think that he it's going to be night and day. Uh, it should be at least uh, from where he was at, at this point last season. So. Uh, just yeah, going in with that confidence and that leadership. And, uh, you know, he's talked about this too at the end of the year, just saying, hey, when I come back and these players return as they're doing now, they're going to look to him as, hey, you're the quarterback. You're the guy now. Whereas last year, you know, Joe Flacco was here and, you know, there was a sort of a, hey, we just drafted this kid, Drew Locke, but Joe's going to be the guy this year. Drew felt like he had to walk in some eggshells there. Not anymore. Right off the bat, he knows I'm the guy. And John Elway and the Broncos did everything they could this offseason to surround him with weapons and make it so he can be successful this year. Right. And like we've talked about before, Phil, he doesn't have to be perfect week one because the Broncos do have a good defense. And they're also going to be playing some teams the first few weeks that the Steelers have to adjust to life again with Ben Roethlisberger. The Buccaneers have to adjust to Tom Brady in a new system there. What is Cam Newton going to look like in New England? So the Broncos are not the only team that are dealing with this. It's just magnified because Drew Locke is in year two and not in year 45 or whatever Tom Brady's in right now. And just knowing how fans are right now, they're clamoring for any sort of live sports that they can get. The pressure and the buildup to that first week is going to be enormous. So maybe just to help Drew out himself is John might be just saying things like, hey, let's, let's yeah. manage expectations and maybe that'll lift some of the pressure off of Drew's shoulders. Yeah, I think that's a really good point too. Well, one of those weapons that uh, 
John Elway was able to bring in this offseason is Jared Judy. Uh, after Judy signed his rookie contract, uh, he had uh, made a few comments, and uh, we got a good idea of what uh, his mindset is like heading into this rookie season. Uh, it felt crazy. It's a, a surreal moment, you know, growing up. Want to be in this position I am now. I worked my whole life for this, for real. I've been playing football since the seventh grade. And, you know, a lot of people don't really get the opportunity that I have right now. So I'm just going to take advantage of it and, and do the best I could do. Um, my first goal, I want to win the Super Bowl as a rookie. That's my first goal. Uh, all the other uh, accolades will come later. You know, if I just do my part and do everything I need to do, then everything going to fall in place. But right now, my first, my main goal is to win the Super Bowl. Me getting fitted for my helmet, my, my cleats, my shoulder pads, you just feel crazy that I'm actually in the NFL. Like, I've been working my whole life to be in this position I am now. And to finally be here is like, like I said, it's a surreal moment. You know, before the drive, you know, it was a lot of struggle. Now, having the opportunity to really take care of my family and all my loved ones, uh, it's still a crazy feeling. I, a feeling that I can't explain. I worked out with you. I came, actually, I came here up here early, like after the draft, just to get some work in with you, just to get that chemistry going and just know him and build a relationship. It's going good. You know, he's a great dude, great guy. Um, he helped me learn a playbook um, and just trying to get that good chemistry so we can get it on and popping on the field. KJ Hamlin, that's my guy, and Tyree Cleveland, all of them, you know, uh, we've been to each other since, like, high school. So we, we with all the camps and stuff like that, so we've seen each other since high school. But, yeah, they're good friends of mine. Uh, I think it's going to be very explosive offense. You know, guys that can make plays from anywhere on the field, the backfield, um, running the ball, throwing the ball. Um, we got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, so Broncos country, stay tuned. So there you heard from uh, the Broncos' first-round pick, Jerry Judy, the 15th overall selection. You can hear the confidence in his voice, talking about how excited he is to finally be in the facility, put on his helmet, get those shoulder pads measured out, and that sort of thing. Uh, his... Uh, Goals for though for next season, he said he didn't mention anything personally. He said his goal is to win the Super Bowl. That'd be nice. I I like that goal. Exactly, that's a good goal to have. I think that that's a a smart approach there. Uh, he's a team first kind of guy, and uh, he's also a guy you can tell is itching to get on the football field. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's kind of the work ethic that. The Broncos liked when they drafted him. What the what John Elway talked about in his post draft press conference of the maturity he has, the football maturity. Um, again, that work ethic. I mean, those are things that we've seen the Broncos prioritize over the last few years in the draft, and now you get to see it on the field. Yeah, and he said he came out here early to try and get his chemistry going with Drew, and it seems like maybe those two have a connection already. It'll be interesting to hear from Drew whenever we do for the first time, just to see how he feels about this relationship, because at least from Judy's perspective, he's enjoyed working with Drew and um, it seems like they've already built that bond a little bit. So, you know, you hear Jerry talking about what he thinks the offense is going to look like next season. And he, he says, look, we can be explosive, you know, and of course he's a rookie and he doesn't exactly know what, what to expect. But he did have the awareness to be like, look, we're going to be able to run the ball. 
we should be able to stretch the field a little bit here. And, uh, you know, I like that confidence coming to, I, I guess just even being at the facility around him for just a few days here, you could tell he doesn't really carry himself like a rookie. That Vic Fangio told you to stay away from the players. He did say that. Yeah. He kind of roasted me during our little conversation. <laughs> there. No, but I, you know, the first round pick is supposed to be the leader of, a group and I think Jerry has that personality and um you know hopefully we get a better idea of that like you said when we talk to Drew I'm sure Jerry will talk here sooner or later um again and can kind of get a, a feel for what those on-field practices are are like because that's kind of what this is all nice Phil but like you were saying earlier I want to get to the on-field stuff I want to get to the you know, day in and the day out of training camp when Jerry Judy's having to go against Bryce Callahan every day or he's having a matchup against A.J. Boye or Justin Simmons slides down to, to cover him. I mean, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, exactly. You know, how I want to know what this thing looks like when it all comes together. You know, uh, we've got a lot of nice ingredients here. But how does you it love taste? This. How does it yeah. taste? When it comes out of the oven, you know, hot. should taste nice. Yeah, exactly. It should be really nice. But I just want to see it. I want to see that poetry in motion. You know, I want to see how it, you know, how the whole puzzle comes together here because that's going to be the most interesting thing to me. You got a lot of talent, but, uh, you know, until it starts clicking and it's a fine tuned machine, you'll always have that sort of wondering what, what it's going to look like. So. Good to hear uh, Jerry Judy. He, I'll say this again. He does not carry himself like a rookie. He doesn't even look like a rookie. When he's out on the field, you know, we just saw him for a second there doing some strength and conditioning. But he does not look like that. So uh, that that's a positive sign if you ask me. Like, for example, last year Drew came in. He didn't look like a rookie. He didn't, he didn't carry himself like a rookie per se. Jerry's the same sort of way we he just doesn't, he doesn't act like that at all. So, all right. Uh, so that's our look at the offense, uh, Eric. I think we've talked enough about Drew and Jerry. What about the defense here? Because on, uh, what was it, Tuesday this week, we heard from Vic Fangio, and uh, he had to say this about Von Miller's redeformed transformation of his body this offseason. Yeah, him and I have kept in contact through the offseason. He has sent me some videos and pictures. And and I, I do think, you know, again, I haven't seen it with my own eyes. Um, but from everything I hear and know, I do think he's had a hell of an offseason. And, you know, we all know he had the COVID there for a little bit. Don't think he was affected very much by it. And it really didn't slow him down much. So... I'm anxious to see him. He's put on some weight. I know he's worked extremely hard. And I do sense that he's got a hunger to his game and to his attitude that I don't think he's had the last few years in the league. So that's Vic Fangio uh, talking about what he's heard, some reports, some investigating that he's done on what Vaughn looks like. And uh, he's expecting some uh, big things, it seems like, this, uh, this year from Vaughn. Yeah, and Vic has pushed Vaughn in the past, you know, last season, um, 
heading into the year, he said, I think Vaughn can be even better. That drew a lot of headlines. He talked about how all the great players he'd ever coached had played 90% of the snaps and Vaughn's, you know, was among those that he wanted to play that much. And this is just an, another example. And I do think Vaughn has worked out tremendously hard. You know, he's reshaped his body and he did the, not like he hasn't worked out hard in the past, but you can tell there's like this renewed sense about him that, you know, maybe he realizes he's only got so many opportunities left, but he's talked about defensive player of the year, leading the league in sacks, uh, coming back from, from COVID to do both those things. So part of it was, you know, Vic complimenting Vaughn on that, on that, but there was also a little bit of when he said he sees fire that he hasn't seen in the past. That's a, that's motivation. You know, that's saying like, Hey, let's see something from you. You can be even better. You can be back to that Super Bowl 50 type player that disrupted the game, you know, three weeks in a row during that playoff run. Yeah. It's sort of interesting. Eric, why do you think he's put on that muscle this off season? Why, why do you think he, you know, when, when you've got a guy like Von Miller, who's been at the very highest mountaintops of this game, why do you think he felt the need to transform his body like this? Well, I think as you get older, the first thing to go is probably your speed and your ability to, to bend uh, your agility. I mean, to me, that that's what goes, you know? And so he still has that. I mean, we saw that in week but 17 against the Raiders there when he sacked Derek Carr. Uh, he still has that ability to bend and get under the offensive tackle. But I think Vaughn realizes that against some of these bigger offensive tackles, uh, a Trent Brown, a Mitchell Schwartz, you know, you've got to have that power that, that quite frankly, that Bradley Chubb has. And so, you know, Vaughn's always had that lower body strength, but, you know, upper body wise, I think there are times when some bigger offensive tackles can kind of swallow him up. And so maybe, maybe he starts to move toward that or adds a power rush element to his game even more than any, than he already has. See, uh, now this might be reading into it too much here, but uh, Vic said that uh, Vaughn sent him videos and pictures over the off season. Now he could simply just be like, look at what I've been doing. But to me, that almost indicates that, like, maybe some coaches, maybe it was Vic himself, talked to Vaughn at the end of last season and said, look, in this defense, we're going to ask you to do these type of things. And uh, in order to, for you to be able to do that, you need to put on some weight here. I mean, yeah. that could be looking into it too much. But uh, the fact that Vaughn felt the need to send these things to Vic, that sort of indicates to me, like, and also how much he's posted his workouts online that just like, look, I'm still Von Miller. I'm still one of the best pass rushers in this league. And look at, look at my body now. And I've changed. You know, there, so, there is a sense for sure that for the, probably for the first time since he came back from his suspension and ACL tear, this is the most pressure he faces because, you know, there's a question of is Vaughn just, is he declining? You know, is he going to be at that seven, eight sack level from now on? Is is that what he is at this point in his career? And there'd be no shame in that. It's his 10th year in the league. Uh, you know, guys decline, especially at positions like that. I think he's 31. I mean, it, it 
it would not be a shock if he just if his best football was behind him. I don't think anyone would say like Vaughn is a bad player because of that. That's just life. But because he has so much to prove, I, I do think Vaughn feels that and in some ways is like, hey, everyone's kind of doubting me here, which hasn't really happened in Denver for a long time, for a lo- for several years here. It's been Vaughn is the best player on this team. Vaughn is perhaps the best defensive player in the NFL. Vaughn is the best pass rusher in the NFL. And now there's starting to be some some questions of, hey, does Vaughn still have it? And with as active as he is on social media, he's heard that stuff, I'm sure. And so, yeah, I don't know if it's if the weight is been suggested by the coaching staff. The strength and conditioning staff does put together these personalized plans. So it's certainly possible that they've said, hey, Vaughn, this is where we want you. Um, I, I will say, though, he's put on weight in the past because he kind of plays in that 235 to 245 range. And I think it might have been last year that he put on some weight and he didn't end up liking it. I think he said he was too slow. He wasn't explosive enough. Um, and so I wonder if he's been if he's been doing different types of exercise to add weight while still maintaining that explosion. Yeah, because he's done that in the past, even before that, earlier in his career. Uh, he had a, a soundbite that said something like, enough of that Gumby blank. Like he, he didn't want to be known as simply a speed guy. So he put on all this weight and then he didn't like it or he didn't have the same results. And, uh, you know, one of the rare abilities Vaughn has is that one, his get off, off the line, when the ball is snapped, he is already like a half a step ahead of most offense tackles. So that gives him a head start right off the bat. So that's his like inherent strength. And then his ability to bend, he gets so low to the ground when he's coming around that corner. I mean, it's unreal how fast he can move like that. So um, I, I agree with you, Eric. I think that he's adding this weight and maybe in a different way than he has in the past. He's not just simply bulking up, but maybe in, in a very specific way he's adding this muscle because he's tried this in the past and it hasn't worked. And the other thing is, you know, when you're Von Miller and someone's asking you to change how you're, you, your body or how you play, you're a little skeptical because you're like, I'm Von Miller. You know what I mean? So uh, that could be reading too much into it, but I also think maybe there's a, a little something to that. So that's one thing. And then Eric, we saw the NFL come out with its top 100 stuff and uh, Vaughn came in at 26, which to me is insane. But he posted on social media and said, instead of complaining about it, he's just going to go out and bust his ass. I mean, do you think Vaughn was the 26th best player in football last year? That's high to me. You think that's high, huh? Yeah. And, you know, I get the NFL top 100 is um, – based on reputation, much the same way that the Pro Bowl is. But like Vaughn made this the Pro Bowl last year with eight sacks. And I think Vaughn would probably tell you that, you know, if he wasn't Vaughn Miller, he probably doesn't make the Pro Bowl after last year. And so, so some of that is is reputation-based. I mean, I think you could find 26 guys. I mean, Quentin Nelson was an all-pro last year, and I think he was 29 or 30 on this list. I mean – I don't know, eight sacks. We know how great Vaughn can be because he's 
and when Vaughn was the second ranked player in I think 2017, you know, he deserved that ranking. He was really good in that 2016 season. He was a first team all pro. Um, but, you know, he's got a chance to bounce back here, but he, I mean, he just wasn't the same guy. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you, but I also think that maybe some of the things that Vaughn did last year didn't necessarily show up on a statue, you know, um, he was really impactful in the running game. He was double teamed a lot. So like, you know, like you could think about it this way. If you are an opposing offensive coordinator going against his Broncos defense last year, really you were saying avoid those two safeties, but primarily make sure we do it, whatever it takes to make sure that Vaughn doesn't wreck this game. So you know, that's where most offenses were geared toward. Let's make sure Vaughn doesn't wreck this game and then we'll do whatever we have to do. So, um, but I agree. I mean, that stuff, a lot of it's based off of reputation and, you know, maybe that was a little bit high for him, but it's still Vaughn Miller in my opinion. And until he does, until it doesn't show up in a stat sheet back-to-back years, then you can start downing. And that's, that's why he feels that pressure this year. But this year, if the team stays healthy, you've got guys like Bradley Chubb returning, Jarrell Casey added, you know, uh, another year for Draymond Jones, McTelvin again, Shelby Harris came back on a one-year deal. I mean, I think that he's not going to be targeted as much. Or no, if it is, Bradley Chubb is going to have a tremendous year, one of these other guys. Right. No, I agree with that. I think that things were set up or the deck was stacked against Vaughn last year because of his knee injury, because of Bradley Chubb being out, because especially early in the season, the Broncos, I mean, think of that week one game, the Broncos were behind the entire time. Week three, the Broncos are behind the entire time. Uh, You know, week two against the Bears, it's a back and forth game where Trubisky never had to really pass the ball. So there were situations where Vaughn didn't have opportunities to get sacks. And like you said, this year, everything flips. Chubb is back. Jarrell Kesey's here. You know, presumably the offense will be better. So this should give you a kind of the same way that we've said all offseason. If Drew Locke is not successful with these, you know, like all these weapons just give you a fair way to assess Drew Locke in some ways on defense, all the pieces give you a fair way to assess if Vaughn still has it. Most definitely. And, you know, if you've uh, been uh, following us, uh, you've followed our Broncos Legends series that we've been doing. Shameless plug, yes. Uh, but one thing that Alfred Williams said was, as a pass rusher, you need that offense. So, you know, Vaughn's best years – yeah, it was at the beginning of his career, but it's no coincidence it came with Peyton Manning, you know. So, uh, you know, Bond's best year was probably 2012. And that's when Peyton was really in a groove there and the offense was putting up points. So, you know, uh, I think that uh, a motivated Von Miller is, uh, is going to be uh, – arriving back on the practice fields here pretty soon. So, and I think there's two Von Millers. 
I think there's a one where he's this goofy guy that he projects and he's sort of, uh, you know, he likes to be playful and funny and that kind of thing. But I think there's another Von Miller where he's insanely competitive, driven, and he's a team cat, you know, he's a leader and his teammates look up to him. And I think there's two sides of him. We see the guy who likes to have fun and be on Dancing with the Stars and he likes to raise chickens and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he's this really competitive football player who, you know, really has a deep passion to be one of the best, not just in the game now, but all time. So he knows what's riding on this season. And he, uh, he'll, uh, I anticipate we'll see uh, uh, the old Von Miller return. So. And we see that from time to time, that motivation, you know, before you think back to the Cardinals game a couple of years ago when he said, we're going to kick their ass before yeah. the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he did. And so I think just to bring it full circle back to Vic's comments, I think Vic is talking like that's the Vaughn you're going to see all season. Yeah. And I mean, Vaughn was tremendous in that game. He was tremendous against Russell Wilson in the 2018 season opener. I mean, he's, he's still had big games in recent years, so it's not like he's fallen off this cliff, but, um, you know, just seeing it more consistently, I think, would, would go a long way. And maybe for a guy like Vaughn, you want to you want to enter camp maybe a little bit heavier than you're going to play, and then over the course of the next five six weeks here, he's going to start you know practicing every day, and maybe some of those pounds will come off. And by the time that Tennessee Titans game rolls around, I think that uh, we'll see the Vaughn Miller that uh, we'll expect to have for the rest of the season. So you know maybe he comes in a little heavier after going through strength and conditioning and practices every day in the grind of training camp by the time that Monday night opener runs around, he'll be down to uh, the weight that we expect. So um, anyway, that's our look at uh, the, what, what's happened this week, what the team is doing. Uh, we'll be heard from uh, the Broncos leadership uh, earlier this week and uh, maybe a little bit of our thoughts there too. So Eric, I think it's time to get to shout outs. Of course, shout out Liz Manis. Uh, Eric, I believe she's going to be talking at a conference, huh? Yeah, there's a virtual Denver sports summit that both she and our uh, fearless leader, Eric Schubert, will be speaking at. Kind of a cool way for people to get involved into the sports industry. We're paying it, uh, paying it forward. You know, one of the things uh, people getting into this industry find is that it's a lot of uh, networking. And uh, so events like that are really crucial to uh, start finding out some good information, meeting people, influencers, if you will. And uh, I think that Liz Mann is definitely an influencer. Definitely. And then, uh, you know, there's also a, uh, as we're recording this, Phil, on a Wednesday there's a virtual panel by this uh, criminal justice reform group called Gideon's Promise and former Broncos Walter Payton nominees, Dominique Foxworth and Champ Bailey are both scheduled to speak at it. So cool to see them continuing their involvement. Obviously, Champ made a pretty powerful Hall of Fame speech a that? year back. So, Yes. And then also, uh, you know, the Broncos uh, announced their uh, – 2020 diversity 
coaching and personnel fellowship participants. So uh, always a good program that they uh, they do that every single year. Yeah, very cool and some cool connections there. Curtis Modkins, his son, Jet Modkins. Um, you know, you've got Tony Gerard Eddy, a college teammate of Von Miller. Um, Practically brothers of Von Miller lived in yeah. the same house there for a couple of years in high school. Yeah, uh, James Daniels, the fourth. He actually was a coach at Vic Fangio's alma mater. So uh, some cool connections there. The fourth. Wow. Yeah. Uh, a commitment. Exactly. Someday there'll be a film on Lonnie the fourth. I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, one was enough. One is enough for this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Eric, anything that we forgot to talk about here, or what do you think? No, I mean we should remind people that if they want to be featured on the neutral zone they can leave a voicemail at 707 neutral or they can send an email to neutral zone show at gmail.com we'll feature those in the podcast and please uh do. please get involved yeah get it back right. i don't want to have to create limericks just for people to be involved I know. we need people involved here so yeah let's make this an interactive podcasting it's experience for everybody and then uh feel as great as the neutral zone is and it's great you know if people are looking for uh, some historical content they could go check out broncos country throwback with jim sakamano uh, it's on its own feed now so you just have to search broncos country throwback wherever you can get your podcast and you can find some good content there we talked to rod smith this week yeah so so there are other podcasts besides just this one? There are other podcasts. There's The Neutral Zone. There's the Broncos Bron Country Throwback. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, yeah. You're, if you're listening to this, you know that The Neutral Zone exists. Yeah. And then there's uh, Entre Amigos, which is a Spanish-speaking podcast. It's kind mm. of something different for our Spanish-speaking audience. Yeah, and maybe some, uh, maybe a new podcast to come on the horizon, too. Oh, that's what we call it. Tease. Like yeah. You like that? Don't tease me. Yeah. So yeah, we got we've got the whole Broncos podcast network for you to get invested in, find out about, subscribe, like, comment. What else? Email. Tattoo the logo on your tattoo. chest. Yeah. You and I both have the tattoo, so we know that the template exists. Exactly. Yeah, we'll send it over. Yeah. If I took if I took this button down one more, you would start to see it. Please, please don't. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to show it off much at the beach this summer, so. Yeah, mine's elsewhere. Oh, really? We'll, uh, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, that's a good that's a good thing. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at Eric Delala, <laughs> and let's uh, guess where Eric's neutral zone tattoo is. Seems like it could only end poorly, but if a uh, a fan of the neutral zone wants to get that tattoo, you can host an entire episode with us. Yes, yes, guaranteed. No matter what, you can do that. Yeah, no matter who you are, you can have the craziest takes in the world. <laughs> Yeah, you you probably have some crazy takes if you get yeah. that. 
that's that's true yeah so all right maybe when we're uh, getting to this point it's uh, a good time to wrap up the show um we heard from uh john elway and jerry judy a little bit earlier there as well as uh, some comments from vic fangio so um as always here on the neutral zone nz nation you know this we bring you the best interviews the best sound bites, the best information that you can find anywhere in the podcast world. So where else are you going to get John Elway and Jerry Judy? Right here on the Neutral Zone only. So our thanks to them for uh, chatting there. And uh, hopefully uh, you guys are as fired up about the start of football as we are. Hope uh, this thing gets started here as safely as possible. And uh, we're able to uh, continue to talk about football matters. So. Uh, that's the expectation around here, at least. So we'll be back next week as uh, we get a, a little bit closer to them. Out on the field uh, looks like a target of around the middle of August. So um, that's when we'll be talking about uh, some football, Eric. So I'm excited, Phil. Can't yeah, wait. Me too. So we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to... The, the neutral zone. <laughs>